broadcasting on the Civic Media Radio Network. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Tuesday, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Two weeks until Election Day, and joining us right now, running in the Minnesota One race, Jeff Ettinger is uh, running as the DFL candidate down there to unseat Brad Finstad. He's kind enough to join us today to talk about his campaign. Jeff, welcome on back to the show. Matt, thank you for having me on again. My pleasure having you on. How, how is it? You've been uh, all across that district in the last few weeks, I imagine. Absolutely. We're in Red Wing right now. Uh, we were in Laverne, which is the far west side by South Dakota, just a couple of days ago. It's a you know big district, South Dakota to Wisconsin, and we're definitely trying to get out to see a lot of the voters. The as you've been out there once again, uh, you know it's kind of one of those things. You you, frankly, there's a lot of things that have happened in the last two years that I, I think that, that you can point to the Democrats and say thank you. I mean, whether that's solving the, the you know the, the the pandemic, which was a pretty big problem there. Uh, the the we have this this infrastructure bill that got passed, which is going to help a lot of. I know that's a lot of projects in that district as well. I mean, the Democrats have delivered, and uh, you know, yeah, obviously, you want to continue that tradition to deliver for the Minnesota one. Absolutely. I would add to it the recent Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, I hear from voters all the time about how important it is to reduce health care costs. So finally turning Medicare loose to negotiate prescription drug costs and setting caps on insulin and then all the great climate provisions in that bill. Um, really, I was just with a regenerative farmer here today in Goodhue County. And I think it's going to be really excellent both for us as auto owners or homeowners or as farmers to be able to take advantage of green provisions in that bill and also to accelerate progress in wind and solar energy. The you know, as you're talking to the farmers out there, and it's one of the things I, I do enjoy talking to the, the candidates that are out there, you know, with a, a lot of ag territory there. Uh, the reality is, is that the markets, uh, it's it's been tough, although there has been some opportunities out there, uh, but the markets are starting to come around again a little bit at this point. What are you, when you're talking to the farmers out there, what what are you hearing as far as their biggest concerns in regards to, to needs for their, their immediate future? I mean, a lot of them do have on the radar the fact that next year is a farm bill year again. And so, you know, in chatting with Colin Peterson, who was the chair of the Ag Committee back when the last farm bill was instituted. You know, there's definitely things that need to be tweaked in there, but probably not radical changes. And just overall, I just am trying to articulate a philosophy that certainly was different than my predecessor, Mr. Hagedorn, who was always going around saying you need to get bigger, get out in agriculture. And you know, I've really tried to be supportive of that we need our smaller family farms, both for the benefit of our communities, but also I think they're just a, a valuable resource in terms of providing consumers with more food options. The but one of the things I, I mean I it's it's obvious to me Republicans have not helped the family farmer. I mean, as a matter of fact, many of these areas have voted for Republicans for generations now, and the Republicans have never really delivered. They've given massive tax cuts to the largest corporate farms, but that's not trickled down. And what you have seen is the the family farm, the small farm, has been getting wiped out since the Reagan eighties, and it's only getting worse. You know, when you when you have a farm bill here, you need to have people that are going to go in there and not just fight for the largest, you know, ag producers out there that the family farm, especially when you got, you know, people with organics, people that are they're doing these farms that are going to farmers markets and just, you know, be, be keeping their, you know, kind of doing it as a, you know, a, a homegrown operation so that they can, you know, fund this. I mean, that's where we really need to put the, the you know, attention to because these farms are getting wiped out left and right still. You're absolutely right, Madden. 
The other thing you find, I mean, we need younger, the average age of our farmers is getting older and older, and the younger people coming in are very interested in regenerative, antibiotic-free, organic, natural, these types of options, and also just ways to get into the business period. And In some cases, they're just doing grazing for operations, but you know, we need to figure out ways to encourage both you know, the family farms that want to continue to have the next generation be involved, but also get new people into the industry. It's interesting you say that because it's it's one of the most stark things I noticed in 2020 when I'd go out to rural Minnesota is I would see a Trump flag, but the only the only sign that outnumbered Trump flags was farm for sale. And you would see one Trump flag and three for sale signs on farms. And I'm like, do these guys not even see what's in front of them? I mean, the the obvious reality there, you know, getting new farmers out there. This is going to have to be, I think, I mean, we're addressing, I mean, how how some kids go through school and they look at education that, you know, going into the trades again, we're starting to, to get more, hey, get back in the trades. These are good jobs. You know, I think we have to have a program that says, you know, you can go on out, get a pretty decent sized land and get out there and farm. But we need to make sure that we are promising margins that are going to make it worth it for that farmer. Absolutely. And you, Matt, you bring up a great thing about the trades, too. That's something I've tried to be involved with in my local community. Uh, I chair the Hormel Foundation, and we've created a two-year scholarship program for all our grads from Austin schools. And those tech degree programs, really, there's a lot of jobs available out there, good-paying jobs. I, I've worked with a lot of the local unions in terms of seeing what wonderful things they're doing with their apprentice programs. So the more we can do to, you know, in, in a tight economy when it comes to jobs, to be able to provide the right matchup of, of what's available on the job side with what people have for skills, the better off we're all going to be. Uh, Jeff Ettinger is joining us, Democratic candidate for uh, Minnesota 1st District, uh, the election in two weeks here. Uh, the you, Of course, your district also includes Rochester, the Mayo Clinic. Um, it's it, Rochester is becoming more of, I mean, it's, it's a growing town. It's actually a not, very nice town. I like it down there quite a bit. It's very lovely. You've got a, You've got a big medical community here. But you've also had Republicans, whether it's state Republicans here, who have who basically tried to tell the most successful hospital on the planet how to be a hospital, or whether it's been kind of ideas where we're going to discourage people from getting vaccinated and encourage them to drink bleach or take horse dewormer. You've gotten things from the national level and the state level that have gone against this. I can't imagine the medical in, uh, the industry that's in Rochester has been too pleased with how the Republicans have downplayed, dismissed, and disrespected their profession. I certainly hear that all the time. I, I mean, I did really quite well in the special election in Rochester, and I have a lot of support there for, for that reason, among others. I mean, I, I think, you know, even the celebrated incident when they came to tour the, the Mayo Clinic and didn't want to wear their mask. I mean, it's like, you know, we need to trust our healthcare professionals to establish the right environment to protect patients that have all sorts of risk factors within their facility. The is, is it, you know, I, I got to imagine when you're talking to a, you know, a 20 year nurse or, you know, a, a 15 year doctor or someone who's worked in medical administration for the last 30 years that it, it's got to be there's got to be almost an incredulous like I can't believe this mentality that the Republicans think that they can just out shout them and it's going to somehow be better medical advice than the medical professionals. Well, I mean, it's so distressing. When you think of some of the professions that we value most, as, uh, so much as a society, whether it's mental health professionals, our doctors and nurses, our teachers, our police officers, I mean, these are all jobs that have gotten harder 
uh, in part with COVID, but also because everything's become so politicized. And, and it's just, you know, I, I go travel in various parts of the district, and we have these heated school board races where there's slates basically running, you know, to, to try to supplant a student-focused program and instead kind of put in a political-based program. And it's, it's really a shame. That's always been a thankless job. I mean, my wife was on the school board back when we lived in the New London Spice area a number of years ago, and it was a challenging job then, but it's nothing compared to what it is now. Well, and, it's, and, it, and they create these environments, and this is one of the things, the paradox, they just don't even want to see that they've created for themselves. They create this incredibly hostile, uh, cr- incredibly, you know, you know, very rigid policies that are they, that they proudly say we're going to force on their teachers but then have the audacity to look and say why doesn't anyone want to come teach out in our district as all the teachers that were there are, you know a third of them have left to go to different school districts there there there's a paradox that when you push this far right extremism they just don't seem to understand is that it it's not it, this is not people don't want to work in an environment where they're being ordered to think a certain way and that's what the republicans are trying to do Absolutely. How long are our neighbors going to be willing to volunteer as election judges on election day if they're going to be intimidated by people for just do, doing their honest job? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, your Minnesota one, it changed with redistricting. It actually became a little more Democratic, which is a really good sign for you because you, you on the special election that had to replace Jim Hagdorn after he passed away, you, you basically were, were pretty close there. As a matter of fact, uh, 538 even pointed to that race and said, there's something going on there. It's now even a little more Democrat after the redistricting. You were saying you were up on the, the, the Minnesota River side of the district, on the eastern side of the strait, right across from Wisconsin there. That's an area that's becoming more, that you are seeing more and more Democratic candidates come out of those areas. That is an area that is turning more blue. Uh, definitely, Matt. So we we ended up falling 5,000 votes short in the special election, 4% total, and there'll be close to 200,000 more people voting this time. This new aspect of the district, including Red Wing and Goodhue and Lake City and Wabasha area, definitely will be part of that. The other thing that's different since August is our colleges are back in session. And so we've been at Minnesota State, Mankato and Gustavus and Winona State and many of the tech colleges around the area. So ultimately, I mean, it's turnout time for the Democrats now. I mean, we're in the last two weeks, and we need to make sure that Democratic voters understand the stakes here. We have every single state office open this time because of redistricting, all the state Senate and Assembly, as well as the five constitutional offices. And, yeah, definitely my race on the federal side, we're, we're definitely looking to see that turnout wave from the Democrat side. Straight DFL ticket. That's what you got to vote. You got to straight. I mean, if you want to fix things, you want things to, to to keep going in the right direction. You need to vote straight DFL. That's for sure. Uh, Jeff, the uh, obviously it's the issue. You don't want to make it the number one issue, but this is an issue that is. I mean, I was looking at the voter registration this year is sixty forty women. And the only thing they can point to is there's a lot of women who are very angry about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Usually those numbers are pretty close to 50-50. It's not really a gender advantage. But most of the people who are registering, we saw it in Kansas, Nebraska, other areas. These are people who are infuriated by this. With early voting going on right now, I know a lot of people who are voting against Republicans for taking away women's rights to choose their own medical care, that is something that I think that is resonating. And, and I'm, my hope is that it resonates, especially, as you said, with the college students and with Rochester, that this is, is one of those issues that carries you over the top. I mean, I, cer- I certainly hear about it a lot. I mean, my, I've been running since March because of the special election. And so the, at that point, 
you know, everyone had opinions on abortion, but the case is still before the Supreme Court. There hadn't been the leaked decision yet. And then as you see the evolution of the leaked decision and, and the ultimate terrible decision to withdraw a 50-year right and to create chaos in our country, uh, I definitely run into voters all the time for whom that's a very important issue. I've been very clear that I would, that to me, the solution is to codify Roe v. Wade and restore that uh, system in our country. And my opponent's very clear that he wouldn't do that. So I, I think that's a, a clear choice for our voters. And Finstad down there has hidden. He's he's run away from the this, this story. And their argument is it's not on the ballot. We already know that uh, Lindsey Graham has already vowed that he is going to bring an outright ban to the United States up for a vote. So it is on the ballot. If that ban comes up for you, uh, Jeff, will you, I'm presuming you're voting against it. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's disingenuous. I mean, Brad Finstead said, oh, yeah, he, he applauded the decision in Roe v. Wade because it turn, returns it back to a more local level where we can have a dialogue about the issue. Brad was in the state legislature for six years already in Minnesota, and he voted over 60 times to restrict women's rights to abortion and contraception. So we know how that dialogue is going to go. Mm. That's just an attempt to dodge the issue. And it is, and he's dodging it. It is on the ballot. And I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't vote for it. And you brought up contraception, too. There's a lot of Republicans that have vowed to make contraception illegal in this country, and they want to bring up a bill to vote on that. So that's going to be there, too. Brad Finstead doesn't want you to hear about his opinion on that. Jeff Ettinger, he's putting it out there. He is not going to get in front of your rights, and I think that's an important thing to keep out there. Jeff, it comes down to it. It's voting. If everyone turns out, the DFL wins. It's just that simple. We need to get everyone out there to, to vote at this point right now. Absolutely, you, you you really hit on it, Matt. And, and we're and it's been wonderful to be with some of our our great statewide office holders. Governor Walls has been down in our area. Senator Klobuchar came down for two stop visits. Senator Smith's been down, and and just all the great local candidates as well. So there's door knocking efforts and calling efforts all the time here, and we're going to push it hard through these last two weeks. He is the right person at the right time. It's Jeff Ettinger down in Minnesota 1. Uh, I want to say this, hey, Minnesota 5, Minnesota 4, Minnesota 3, the DFL is going to win there. Don't don't get me wrong. Go help those people locally, but get on down. Help out Jeff Ettinger down in Minnesota 1. Jeff, what's the website people should go to if they want to help out your campaign? Yeah, it's EttingerForCongress.com. Thanks so much for mentioning that, Matt. Ettinger for Congress.com. Jeff, all my best down there. I, it's a turnout game, so everyone in Minnesota won. You got to get out and vote. Jeff, all my best. Continue to success here, and let's get that big win in two weeks. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Jeff Ettinger, Minnesota 1 candidate for Democrat of the Day. Let's take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show.